Today on Power Tips Unscripted, we talk to Jeremy Martin, one of the principals of Risher Martin Fine Homes in Austin, Texas. Jeremy is known throughout our community as a smart, savvy business person who, along with his partner Chris Risher, has created a consistently high-performing remodeling company. And today, he's going to share several of the tactics that have helped him reach these high levels of success in just a minute. Does Barry Manilow know that you raid his wardrobe? (laughs) Are these really the questions that I was called here to answer? Hi there. I'm Victoria Downing, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. Hey, and this is, I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Yeah, you are. Hey. So, you know, another good episode. I'm excited. I love doing these things. They're fun, and, and today's a real special one. Yes, because we're doing it live with a live audience, and it's sort of um, a little, I gotta admit, a little unnerving to know all these people can see me, and I can't see them. Well, it's your good side, so that's a good thing. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to get him to move the camera earlier, but you wouldn't. <laughs> that's my bad side. Um, really? But yeah, so this is going to be great because not only are we going to get all of Victoria's brilliant questions, but our studio audience. Is yes. that the right way to say it? I think so. Yes. We'll call them a studio Whoops. audience. Okay, cool. <laughs> studio. I'm just looking at this. So we're doing it live. It's uh-huh. sort of a new thing for us, and the messages are going down below that I can't see. Uh-huh. So... So again, we're excited about this, and you know, our guest today is seriously generous person because I've called on him many times to share his expertise. And not only is he really smart, but he's a really good presenter. So if you ever have the chance to see Jeremy present live, he's he's a natural man. It's like uh, wow. <laughs> yeah, Jeremy is like I, I was saying before. I have a man crush, on Jeremy. <laughs> yeah. he, he he knocks it out of the park. <laughs> So, All right, well, let's get started here. Jeremy is with Risher Martin Fine Homes in Austin, Texas. It's a firm that specializes in custom home building, whole house renovations and additions, as well as extensive kitchen and bath remodeling. Jeremy is a graduate of the University of Texas. He has a, a degree in engineering. Having spent time at Fortune 500 companies like IBM and Intel, Jeremy combined his corporate experience with his love of building and launched the home building career in 2001. He's a frequent contributor to Remodeling Magazine, Qualified Remodeler, and Fine Home Building Magazines, as well as he does a lot of different presentations for industry groups. In addition, Jeremy's a longtime member of Remodeler's Advantage Roundtables, and he's, again, been very generous. He was a speaker at, I believe it was last year's summit that was just, I I went up to him afterward and I said I felt like a proud mom because he did such a great job. Um, And he does podcasts like this. He's just really a generous person. So, Jeremy, welcome to Power Tips Unscripted. Thanks. I'm a huge fan. been listening to it. You guys are doing a great job. I'm excited to be here. Okay, good deal. Great. Thanks for that. So, you know, you are kind of a unique person in the remodeling industry because you did not come into this through the construction side of the business. So, I mean, what was it that drew you to the remodeling industry? Well, I kind of grew up, so my grandfather was a builder and my dad was a builder and my mom spent her entire long career in the home building business. So, you know, as a kid, I had a lot of summer jobs, you know, in the business, you know, from the trade side of it. Um, but yeah, I, I did. I went to college to get an engineering degree and I went to Silicon Valley and worked in the tech business for a while. And I actually think that was an advantage. Um, I think it allowed me to sort of look at the business from a different perspective and take a, a different viewpoint on it. Um, so I, although I was exposed to it a lot as a kid, I think going and working in large corporate you know, companies and then coming back to a small business has some advantages. And 
I've tried to take a lot of what I learned in those places and apply it to our small business to ho- hopefully make it less small and make it bigger. Um, and I think it's it's been it's been a good thing. It's a different perspective. Well, so give us an example. Like, what's one of the things that you think you learned from that corporate experience that you've brought with you? Uh, well, I'll never forget my like very first day at Intel, massive corporation, mm-hmm. obviously based out in California. And we talked a lot about mission, vision, values, and things like that. And uh-huh. I remember thinking, huh, this is pretty interesting. I wonder how this applies to a 65,000 person company. And I didn't really think much of it at the time. Um, but when Chris and I started our company, you know, it was a two person company. And so, you know, the mission, vision and values were what Chris and I, you know, between the two of us thought it was on any given day. Um, but then as we started to grow the business and add employees and become more serious about what our focus was um, and try to be more serious about what our brand was, we really saw the wisdom in that um, and it became very real for us. So having been exposed to it in that large company and seeing it work for 60,000 people kind of gave us a lot of confidence that it was something we needed to pursue for our little 10 person company. Um, and it's just neat to, to see those things. I, I think sometimes you have to act big if you want to get big. You know, I think a lot mm-hmm. of small businesses stay small because they think small. And so seeing huge corporations like that, I think gave us a vision for, for what we could be. And mm-hmm. I think that's important. You know, that was an interesting comment. So I've been doing a lot of speaking in, in, with groups lately, and we've been having a lot of talk about growth and too fast growth. What's right? When should you slow down? When should you go forward? So tell me a little bit more about thinking big to get big. You know, the growth thing is really, you know, we're in a hot market in Austin. I mean, it's just a wonderful place to be in the remodeling business right now. And, and we've been blessed to be able to grow the company. And what I think has really been interesting is, is it, I think everybody thinks you grow a business in a straight line where you go, you know, one year you're at 3 million, the next year at 3.6, the yep. next year you're 4.3. And it's this very linear thing. And what we found is it's very much a step function thing where it's like for a couple of years, you're hanging out at 3 million and one day you wake up and you're at five. Wow. And then you kind of make that leap, leap to eight, you know, and, and now we're thinking about making the leap higher. Um, you know, it, it's just, it's not that linear. And I think sometimes you've just got to, the thing that I think we did and that we, we did on purpose was when we were a $3 million company, we, we tried to have $5 million systems. And when we were mm-hmm. a $5 million company, we tried to have $8 million systems mm-hmm. and processes and people such that when we grew into that number, we didn't, you know, break, we wanted to be ready to grow into it. I think if you're constantly chasing the systems and you're chasing the processes and you're behind the curve, I think it can get stressful. I think it can get difficult for your employees. And so I think one of my, I guess, key learnings was to try to have the systems you need in the future, not the systems you need now. And you really got to be ahead ahead of the development on those. Well, okay. That that leads into a couple more questions. So how do you find the time and who drove the development of those systems within your company? That's a great question. I think I've been real blessed. Having a partnership, you know, I think can add some complexity to a business, you know, but having a healthy partnership is just a huge win, in my opinion, because the way we have the company set up right now is, you know, Chris gets up every morning thinking about only the business we need in the future. Uh-huh. And I wake up every morning thinking about only the business we have now. And so at any point in time, there's always two two people waking up worrying about what, what we need to worry about, I think. You know, I have a ton of respect. We have a lot of great friends in, in RA who are single single owner companies and and it must be a stressful day to be bouncing back and forth between I got to go produce the work I have. No, I need to go get the work I need. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris and I have been pretty fortunate and we trust each other. You know, we trust each other a lot. And so I don't worry about what Chris is doing on the sales side. He doesn't really worry about what I'm doing on the production side. So it gives me the kind of space I need to build systems because I'm not also worrying about taking that next sales lead okay. and qualifying that next deal. Mm-hmm. So I, I think the best advice I got was, you know, from Paul Winans, one of the facilitators is, 
is you got a calendar this time. I think if you need to have something on your calendar every week where it's a block of time, whether it's two hours or three, or I do a lot of this on Friday afternoons. By the time I get to Friday afternoon, I'm usually pretty worn out on dealing with client issues and, and subcontractor issues. I usually try to block my last couple hours of Friday to do system development or to build processes or to think about bigger picture things. Some people work best on a Monday morning. Mm -hmm. I think you just got to put it in your calendar as an appointment with yourself and then keep that appointment. I think it's hugely, it's simple, but it's super effective. Right. Okay. And then to have that discipline to actually use that time for what it was set aside to do. So of the systems Mm -hmm. and processes, there's dozens and dozens in every remodeling company. What are like the top three processes or systems that you have developed in your company that you feel really made a difference? I think the primary difference maker for us was that something Sam did in concert with Sam that works in our office, Chris and Sam, is they built basically, you know, a lot of people in our area call it the pass the baton or, or the package. We call it the book. Mm-hmm. We've written extensively about this in Fine Home Building and, and on our website. But that handoff where you're, you know, I call Chris the promise maker and, and I'm the promise keeper. <laughs> and good. so, you know, being able to document what those promises are in the form of extensive specifications, cut sheets, pictures, whatever you need to do, architectural plans, structurals, and to be able to package that up in such a way that that, that sales and estimating can hand that off to production mm-hmm. such that handoff goes smoothly mm-hmm. and there are no things dropped. Um, the benefit of that for the production team, the benefit of that for the client, the benefit of that for your schedule and budget has just been, that has been the thing that's changed everything that's uh, awesome. for us. That's allowed us to be on schedule. It's allowed us to be on budget. It's allowed us to keep the stress level down for the clients, make it fun. Um, without that, I think everything else breaks. So I would say that's the primary. That handoff is to me the most treacherous thing in the remodeling business. And when handled well, it can be a competitive advantage. When handled poorly, it can crush you. And so I would put, if I were starting over again, I'd put all the energy there. Uh, and I think it paid off for us. That and, is and awesome look, it's, a, it's a work in progress. We had a two-hour meeting yesterday, and we're continuing to refine this. We're by no means there. Uh, it's a it's a every quarter, every month, every year. We've got to continue to dial this handoff in and make it better. We use postmortems mm-hmm. as a feedback tool to make those handoffs better. So that is a never-ending process. Jeremy, do you think you could real quick just give us a, uh, our listeners a sense of of what what your company looks like right now? What's what's the revenue size, number of employees? Sure, we're at about the eight million dollar run rate level, and um, and Chris and Sam handle all the sales and pre construction stuff up front, um, and then Jennifer in our office does a remarkable job. She's the controller handling all the administrative finance piece of it, and then my production team uh, is a team of seven. It's myself acting as production manager. Uh, four project managers, um, and then we have two assistant project managers supporting them, um, and that that size of company. And, and the average, I should say this, the, the average job size we're doing, again, Austin is a fantastic market to be in right now. We're able to produce that amount of revenue with that number of employees mm-hmm. because the average job size we're blessed to work on right now is about a million dollars per job. Um, so each of our project managers is only managing two jobs. They just happen to be quite substantial projects. So one of the things you mentioned, and I'm going to focus in on this on the on the book for a little bit longer because that's so important. You said it was the most treacherous thing. What does that mean? What, what do you mean it's treacherous? Uh, I think the biggest fear we have as a business, and this is everybody in our company feels this way, is is when you walk into that client meeting, and and the client says, "Hey, I thought that was included in my contract, or why did you do it this way, or." why is this detail executed this way? Or, hey, that, that's not what I want my, wanted my cadence to look like. That potential broken promise with the client is a, is a very stressful thing for them. It's a very stressful thing for us. We want to avoid that at all costs. So 
we're really trying to make this process fun. We're trying to make it less stressful. We're trying to make it less risky for our clients. And so having a very concrete, highly documented way of, of transitioning that, pro- that project from the promise maker to the promise keepers um, is a way to make the, pro- the process just smoother. Um, and also, look, you know, if you're worried about slippage and you're worried about your margins and you're worried about things going over schedule, a lot of the things that cause projects to go uh, over budget are the same things that make them go behind schedule. A lot of those things can be eliminated by slowing down on the front end and really documenting mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Um, we call it the slow down to speed up. We talk about that a lot around here. Mm-hmm. We, we want to slow down in the design phase and speed up in the construction phase. Um, and that is a far superior plan, we think, uh, and mm-hmm. it dovetails with kind of our fixed price methodology. And, and it's just, it's, it's, it's who we are here. It's kind of what we believe in. That's what we're selling. So we talked about um, the, the way that you set it up up front. One of the things we've been talking a lot about lately, and I'm not going to get into too much depth here, but it's the whole idea of the labor shortage, right? So it's so difficult to find people to do certain kinds of work. So one gentleman said to me yesterday that one of the things he does to allow them their company to produce more with fewer people is to focus exactly where you're saying to focus on the book up front so that when you hand that off, there's not all the chaos that so many remodeling companies find with people having to come back, ask all these questions, putting out fires and all that stuff. So it's, it, I, I totally agree that it's one of the most important systems in a remodeling company. Um, I've got a couple yeah, of... Just to, to, to dovetail on that, if you don't have enough people and enough time to do it right the first time, you certainly don't have time to do it a second time, right? right. All, all the more reason to nail it the first time around. And also, one of the things we're talking about a lot, the labor shortage is real here. It's a very difficult mm-hmm. situation in mm-hmm. Austin. But the better our, our team's job is to make our subcontractors and suppliers successful and to mm-hmm. set them up for success. Mm-hmm. We want them to want to work on our jobs because they're the most well-organized and the most well-documented in the stuff. We have for them that, that they need to be successful is always on the job site because we planned ahead. So, so the way to, I think, be a better general contractor is to serve your subcontractors and suppliers better, give them better information so they can be more profitable and they're going to want to do your jobs instead of the other person's jobs. That's, that's part of what we're trying to do with the book. So we got a question from Travis, and he's asking, what's it really look like? What's the physical structure of this book? It's a great question. Um, there is a picture of it um, on our website, I believe, and, and it was in the Fine Home Building article as well. There's a picture of it. it, it for the client, it is a paper document. It's a massive uh, three-ring binder. It's probably four or five inches thick. It has it has tabs and dividers and so on and so forth. For our field team, because we're running a completely paperless company, it is totally digital, and it has been put into an application called Plan Grid, and all of these documents are digitally on an iPad such that they can be carried around, you know, easily on your phone or in your truck, on your iPad. Uh, there is no paper for the project managers themselves, but it is all documented in the software. It can be updated, redlined. Uh, it's, it's a pretty great system. Okay, very cool. All right, another question had come in. Somebody was asking about your comment about linear growth. And, you know, he's saying, well, most of us budget that way. Most of the remodeling company owners budget year to year as a, as a linear growth process. How do you work with the ebbs and flows of growth like you were talking about before. Does that make sense? I think forecasting is the most, yeah, I think forecasting is the single most difficult thing that we do. It's also the thing we're the worst at. Um, <laughs> and and it's difficult for us too, because we're, we're doing large average job size deals. So, you know, if you, if you win a million dollar deal or lose a two, a million dollar deal, it's yes. a $2 million swing. Right. Um, and so when it's coming in big chunks like that, it, it makes it even more difficult. We over the years have built sort of a, forecasting spreadsheet that Chris and, and spends a lot of time on. But the answer is it's not perfect. You know, I, I think it takes, it's it just, 
we're not we're not good at it year to year to year. I, I, I wish I had some wonderful answer for y'all. We always err on running a little bit lean. I guess is one thing I've said. We, we've caught ourselves overstaffed before, and it can be very uh, difficult situation to be in. So. I mean, we're kind of running a little bit on, on the ragged edge a little bit. Um, we want to be a little lean um, and run fast. I think sometimes staffing up in anticipation of some deals that are going to happen and they don't happen, I've seen that hurt a lot of remodelers. Yes. Um, and so I think you got to kind of err on the side of caution there and try to keep the overhead a little lean. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're relying on having better systems and better software. So what our hope is that you know, our people can be more efficient and produce more revenue because we've given them better tools right. and better handoffs. So mm-hmm. we're solving that problem with technology and upfront Good planning mm-hmm. because that's easier to scale than people. I love that. Jeremy, with the size of these jobs, I mean, million dollar average job size, is that just where you guys want to sit? That's your sweet spot? Or do you um, do you have any plans or ideas of possibly trying to diversify a little bit and get into some smaller work? Or What's the the plan moving forward on that? It's a great question. We talk about it a lot. I'm, I worry a lot about what I call what people call diversification instead of diversification. <laughs> where we would be, you know, really, I like really, that. <laughs> really average at one thing and, and really average at another thing. We know exactly who our clients are. We know exactly who the clients are, the, uh, the architects that serve those clients. We've built a subcontractor supplier trade base that can service that job size. We've built software and systems for that job size. And so we want to, we really want to be focused on that. I, we have tried to do some smaller jobs. I wish we could do them, but we, we would have to retool the company in such a way that my fear is it would make us less good at the thing we want to be great at. Um, and, And we've even talked about, do we need a second company that's solely focused on doing some of these smaller deals so that we can build an ecosystem of software and systems and processes and people and subs, you know, that can do that well. Uh, we're trying to be the anti-jack of all trades. And, you know, there's a really smart uh, uh, couple guys in an RA group. They talk a lot about being the neurosurgeon instead of the general surgeon. And, and they are they're wildly successful in Salt Lake City, Jackson Leroy. And, yep. and these guys, I, whenever we think about doing something different, I think about them whispering in my ear, be the neurosurgeon instead of the general, mm-hmm. the general surgeon. And then I stop thinking about that and I go back to my day job. <laughs> That's great. I love it. I, I, I always say niche, man. Go niche. Well, so that leads into this, right? You know who your clients are. You've picked a particular model of business. Tell us a little bit about that model, if you would, and how you chose that direction. That's a great question. So one of the, I think, most eye-opening exercises we did, it was like five years ago. Chris and I went to dinner one night after work, and we each took a blank blank piece of paper and a pen, and I asked him to write down his 10 most favorite clients. And, 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 And the question wasn't what were the most profitable clients or what were the most beautiful homes that ended up in magazines. I was like, what 10 clients gave you the most joy that you'd really like to work for them again? And I did the same thing on my own piece of paper. And, and lo and behold, as you would suspect, there was a ton of overlap, you know, in those papers. And then we sat there for hours and we said, what do these people have in common? Like, who are these people? How do we get more of these people? What do these people need and how do we give it to them? And we really built this, what we call the ideal client. And it's about a two and a half page document that we keep, you know, on hand. It's like, who is the ideal client? What do they need? And how do we build a business for them? And then we just got razor focused on chasing those particular people. You know, what architects are they hiring? We should go meet those architects. Like what neighborhoods do they live in? We need to be prominent in those neighborhoods. And so, you know, we, we started at the, at the who, do, who are the best clients we've had over the last couple of years and how do we get more of them? And, and look, I think we're, 
we're very blessed. There's a lot of demand in Austin, right? So we can be very choosy about what we're doing. And, and that's obviously been helping us quite a bit. Um, but we're trying to stay ultra niche with the people we're working for um, so we can become good at what they need. And, 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 and arguably, we're terrible at a lot of other things. And we've made peace with that. And it's and I'm sure it's difficult for Chris too because like I'll just give you an example. We get about 250 you know leads a year, raw leads. Wow. We build 12 projects a year, and so Chris wow. you know has a very tight funnel, and that's a good thing because the 12 people that hire us really want what we're selling, mm-hmm. and we really want to give them what they're buying, mm-hmm. and it works out really great. The other 238 people, it just wasn't a good match. It wasn't that they wouldn't have been great clients. It just wouldn't have been great clients for us. And there's a lot of other talented builders in Austin, a lot of talented builders in Austin, and they're going to go serve that, that client and do a great job. How many of the 250 are qualified? Uh, roughly about a third, Mark. Wow. That's a, nice, that's a nice thing to have, that sort of a pipeline to allow you to pick and choose to that degree. That's pretty wonderful. So, okay, so you've had some really phenomenal growth. You, you know, the business is very successful. We love talking to you guys. What, are, what were the challenges? What were the real difficult parts of building this business? to where you are? I think the number one thing is always people, right? Um, you know, we have been blessed. And, you know, we started out having a very difficult time. I think one of the difficult things is hiring. I and mean, we've always struggled with hiring, having a hiring process and having a hiring system and being consistent with our hires. Um, and so over the years, we've, we've built a great team, which has allowed Chris and I to go off and do other things because it seems like the more things Chris and I stop doing and give to our A plus team, the better things go. Um, <laughs> I, I found so that too funny. Vir- it's been this very virtuous thing for us, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we've had to build a system for hiring. We've been very influenced by this book called Who. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it, we got turned on to it by a bunch of folks in our roundtables group. And and it, you know we're a very system process focused company, but we never had a system or a process for hiring. It was very ad hoc. You meet somebody, you interview them, you offer them a job. I mean, it was very loose and very unlike us. And so we put some structure around that, which I think has been effective for us, and it's made us more confident in our hiring decisions. We started using DISC as a tool, mm-hmm. personality um, profiles, and, mm-hmm. and we. Yeah, and so that's been a really great tool for us. We've tried to make it less subjective, more objective, more more measurable because we're measurable kind of guys. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been real blessed on that front. I think, you know, the business is all about people. Like, do you have the right clients? Do you have the right employees? Yeah. Are you working with the right architects? Those are all people questions. You know, everybody can figure out how to build a cabinet. Um, it's the people that, that are going to separate you. And, you know, we've been, again, real blessed on that front. So we got another question for you, Jeremy. It says, are your employees hands-on with the work, or is that all subbed out? Uh, we are 100% subbed out. The only thing we self-perform is just keeping the job sites clean, orderly, and safe. We have a really great young guy who cruises around all day and keeps the job sites looking very presentable and safe. But no, we are 100% subbed out. Again, that helps a lot with the scaling um, problem. We're able to be pretty agile and that we can grow from, you know, 5 million to 8 and then back down to 6, right. you know, because we're, all that expansion and contractions happen in the subcontractor base. Now, it, it, it requires us to be better managers, which goes back to why that book is so critical and why the handoff is so critical. So so the, the all 100% sub is obviously, as, as you all know well, a blessing and a curse, yeah. right? It forces you to be much better managers, communicators, documenters, but it does help you kind of ebb and flow a little better. And, mm-hmm. and we've made peace with that decision and, and we've, we're pretty staunchly in the sub out camp. Okay, cool beans. I think that's the way I would do it too if I owned a business. Here's another question for you. You do own a business. I mean, you know, <laughs> if I own a remodeling business. 
Um, okay, here's another question. Partnerships can be difficult. How have you and Chris been able to maintain such a strong partnership? I mean, do you have a golden rule? Do you have guidelines that you follow? This is a wonderful question. I think the key is that, first of all, there's just a ton of mutual respect between the two of us. I think Chris is amazing at what he does. I couldn't do his job. I certainly couldn't do it as well as he can. And I think he feels the same about the role that I fill in the company. I think the key is that we run two distinctly different parts of the company, so we're not stepping on each other. I don't go in there and get in Chris's business, and he certainly doesn't come get into mine. And that, again, goes back kind of to mutual respect, good roles and responsibilities. You know, it's it's it's, I think... It, it can be very difficult, but when it works, it works incredibly well. Um, and I'm super grateful, you know, for it. Um, I don't really, ha- we don't really have a golden rule. I think the key is that to partition the responsibilities out so that one person and one person only owns something so that there's not this potential overlap where you're both supposed to be responsible for marketing and neither of you are responsible mm-hmm. and then you don't have any leads and it becomes an issue. Uh, I think that's obviously to be avoided. Mm-hmm. All right, here's another one for you. Now, you guys have, you know, you're very generous with your knowledge, but how do you get your insights? How do you get fed the new ideas, the new thoughts, the feedback on the direction you're heading? Well, RA has been huge for us. We started the company eight years ago, and we've been an RA for seven years. So, I mean, we came out of the gate knowing we had no idea what we were doing. We were very clear about that and very honest about that. And we wanted to go find the most successful folks in the industry, and we found them there, which has been great. We're also incredibly involved locally at the Humboldt Association and at NARI, mm-hmm. um, and we're reaching out to local builders and, and local mentors and people we have a ton of respect for locally. We read a lot of books. I probably read 50 books a year. I mean, reading, I think, is, is huge. We've learned a lot you know, from just great books out there. Um, but I think, look, you just got to get involved, ask a lot of questions, listen to a lot of podcasts and, and go out there and seek it out. I think the, the information's out there. You just got to prioritize the time to go get it. And, you know, we've been real blessed. We've had a lot of people give us a lot of great feedback over the years. And we're still searching. I mean, the search is still on. That's kind of impressive. 50 books and still searching, even though you've got such a good team there. So that, that's pretty awesome. All right. This is my, I've got a last question. If there's anything... Um, out there from anybody else. Um, okay, I got another couple of questions, then we're going to start wrapping this up. Um, there's one from Trip who says, do you generally get paid for your pre-construction services as it relates to signing fixed price agreements? Can you talk a little bit more why, why you prefer this over a more transparent cost plus or gross profit margin type approach? I love this question. This is a this is the key to our business. Yes, we do get paid for pre-construction services. That was a watershed moment in our company, um, and I think it's wildly important. The act of giving um, thorough and helpful pre-construction services to the client and architect is a lengthy process that involves dedicated staffing, and that staffing needs to be paid for and compensated for by the client because it's a massively value-add part of the project, um, as, as much of a value-add as the building of the project itself during production. Um, we have chosen to go fixed price mostly because we feel like it, it aligns closely with our personal belief system in that, you know, clients come to us because they see us as experts. We're out there generally telling people that we are experts and we feel like the risk should be shifted to us and not the client. You know, we are expert sellers of remodeling uh, services. They are not expert buyers of remodeling services. And therefore, we feel like the onus should be on us to to be able to tell them with a high degree of certainty uh, what the project should cost and how long it should take. And, and we sell that. And, and, and we're competing against a lot of folks in our market that are that are doing cost plus. 
Um, and we respect that business. We know certain projects and certain clients, and this is the key. Not every client wants a fixed price deal. Not every client wants to do exhaustive free construction services. This goes back to being very niche and very focused and knowing who your client is. There are a lot of amazing cost plus builders in Austin and they do amazing work for the clients that are not our clients. Mm -hmm. and, and so that's the key is to really know who your client is and what they need and what you're selling them. And, um, and that's just how we do it works for us. That's awesome. Oh, Jeremy, this has been uh, great. This I really have enjoyed this. Uh, did you say you had one more question there? Well, I thought it might probably is about time to go to the lightning round, isn't it? <laughs> I know everybody's excited for that. Yeah. I know Jeremy especially, right, Jeremy? Oh, I'm, I'm pumped. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we are going to give everybody, for anybody that was late showing up, uh, just a reminder, we're going to give you all a free download for sh participating and asking questions and making this an awesome episode. So make sure you hang out till the end there. And, um, yeah, Jeremy, let's do this. What do you think? All right. Let's go. And now, here's the Remodeler's Advantage Lightning Round. It's a trap. All right, let's do this. Jeremy, I got some lightning round questions for you. Here we go. What's your favorite business book and why? I love Blue Ocean Strategy. It's a book about how to find uncontested market space uh, and get out of the red ocean of competing on price, which I think is pretty prevalent in this industry. I love that book. If you weren't principal of Richard Martin Fine Homes, what do you think you'd be doing? I'd probably be back in my original job, which was selling enterprise software and semiconductors. Um, it was a great career, but not as fulfilling as this one. What are you not very good at? Uh, following my own processes and systems and procedures. <laughs> That's why I hire really great people. Yeah, me too. Your room, your desk, or your car, which do you clean first? Desk, for sure. Why do you think a tennis ball is fuzzy? For better friction, I'm guessing. If you could only choose one song to play every time you walked into a room for the rest of your life, what song would it be? Oh, wow. <laughs> I was just in Philadelphia with our with our good friend who's a great remodeler out there, and we drove these with the Rocky music on. I could probably get down with the Rocky music. <laughs> That's great. I know what my song would be. What's right. that? It'd be Build Me Up Buttercup. I love that song. <laughs> Build me up, buttercup. Yes, yeah, sing it, baby. Stuff. Yeah, really. Jeremy, thank you so much. Now, before we go, um, I want you to wrap up this episode with your five words of wisdom for our listeners. All right, I'm going to go with four only and say get better every day. So why does that resonate with you? Why are those your five words, or four in this case? I think a lot of folks, us included, we get we're thinking like we want to make this huge change in our business and we're going to totally overhaul the way we do handoffs or change some massive part of how we do the finances of our company. And because you don't have the perfect plan, you have no plan. And so I'm in for incremental, you know, get 1% better every week. And at the end of the year, it's going to make a huge, huge difference. So we're grinding down here in Austin every day. We're just grinding for a little bit of improvement. And after a couple of years, it's going to look like a lot. And, okay. I, and I think that's a huge problem. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a wonderful outlook. I love that. All right. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. And I appreciate the generosity. Amazing stuff. Loved it. Thanks for being here, Jeremy. Yeah, it was fun. Thanks for having me on. Thanks much. Talk to you later. Well, that was pretty awesome. I love Jeremy, man. I know. I could talk to him whenever we're at somewhere at like the summit or something. Yeah. It's like I, I want to, I can never get to him though because there's like I know, a lot of I know. people I know. trying to talk to Jeremy. He did such a room. great job at that presentation. This was great too. You know, the focus on that book, on that handoff as being so important. 
that's such good support for um, the things we teach too. No, you know? no doubt. And you know, um, Chris. Uh, Chris the is promise the promise maker. maker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Chris is the promise maker, and Jeremy's the promise keeper. Yeah, that I was, like that. That was cool. Yeah, I'd, I'd rather be the promise maker myself. I'm sure. I'm sure you would. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, did you want to throw that slide up real quick before we close this out? Sure. That's Rose. Like a good Rose, idea. why don't you throw that slide up real quick? Um, there we go for, for the for the round tables. Just real quick for anybody that because we had a couple questions come across about round tables, so. Um, I, Rose was wonderful enough to throw that together real quick. And yep, so thank you very much. <clears throat> so there you go. You guys can go to that site or... Yep, go to uh, powertipspodcast.com slash roundtables. There's a whole bunch of information there for you. We're launching a new group, so we've got a limited amount of openings. We're pumped. We've got a lot of new members coming in, so it's very exciting. We'd love to have you come check it out. E- or send me an email or give me a call at 301-490-5620. Yeah, thanks for, thanks for doing that, Rose. Um, so yeah, back to Jeremy, amazing man, amazing company. Mm-hmm. They've done some amazing things. And, um, like I said, I'd rather be the promise maker than the promise keeper <laughs> for sure. So, well, power tips unscripted live. I think it went off pretty good. It's kind of crazy to do it. You can't edit. Yeah. There's so many pieces that move, but it was great. Another one in the can. Yeah. Things have um, been going well. Um, we, when are we going to have Jeremy back on? Boy, soon, huh? I mean, the questions, I mean, we're just rolling in. and I He'll think He'll be at the summit. People could probably track him down there. He's not speaking, though, this time, is No, he? he's not speaking. You know, I can only ask him to do so many things. He's just, he's very generous. He'd probably say yes, but then I'd feel guilty. Yeah, well, that's Jeremy. Yeah, really. <laughs> so um, I think, you know, I never hit the timer, so I don't know what time it is. Okay. I guess it's time to go. I guess it's time to go till next time, eh? So I'm Victoria Downing. And I'm Mark Harari, and this has been Power Tips Unscripted live. Live. And uh, it's going to air on middle August. We'll see you later. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the remodeler's guide to business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful